Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to all those who love him. No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Temptation. We all face temptation. I know this to be true in my own life. When I was in high school, uh, my senior year, I was dating a girl named Olivia. I went to a public school. I was the quarterback on the football team. She went to a private Christian school. You know, she was this really sweet girl. And so I went to go pick her up for the homecoming dance. And I go to pick her up, and her dad's there. And her dad is a very intense guy. And he had a conversation with me, and I believed every single word of it. He told me, he said, if anybody lays a hand on my daughter, you kill them. And I know people who can cover it up. <laughs> and I knew that by extension, what he was really saying is, if you put your hands on my daughter, I'll kill you and I'll cover it up. And so <laughs> I picked up his daughter, took her to the dance. We had a great time. And guys, full transparency, you know that if you've been a guy and you're in high school and you're going with a girl to a dance and you're driving in the car and it's just the two of you, temptation will start to rear its head, right? And so you're like, oh man, I shouldn't do this. Should I do this? Back and forth. Well, I'll spare the details. By the time I dropped her off, it was apparent that we had been making out, if you know what I'm saying. And so this is before I was a pastor, so it's okay. But um, so... I drop her off, and I'm just like, I'm just glad that she's in the house. I'm getting out of there, right? So the next day, I wake up. I think, okay, I'm good. I don't, I don't think anything about it. I go work out. Me and my dad are working out at the gym. And all of a sudden, I get a phone call. And it's from a number that I don't recognize. So I, I just answer it, you know, casually. Hey, what's up, man? It's her dad. And he says, I have a very particular set of skills. No, he didn't say that. He said... <laughs> Um, he said, don't you ever see, text, or call my daughter until hell freezes over. You call yourself a man of God, you're just like everybody else. Whew! That hit me. Oh, it hit me hard. But in some ways, I mean, he was kind of right. I was this Christian, claimed to be a Christian guy. You know, I should have treated his daughter one way, and I treated her just like other guys would. I gave in to temptation. And this is a problem that's not unique to me. Like, we all get this, right? Like, raise your hand if you've ever been tempted. Everybody should be raising your hand right now. Good. Okay, safe place. Raise your hand if you've ever lost, you've given in to temptation that you face. Raise your hand. Again, everyone should be raising their hand. Last time, raise your hand if you've ever had victory over temptation. If you've overcome temptation, yes. So, 
I got to like break the fourth wall now and like get out of this is like a sermon and like we're just talking. No, like I want to get into your real life. Like I'm speaking today because I believe that God wants to help you overcome temptation. That this is a moment where he can cause you to experience a spiritual breakthrough and this can start a journey of victory. So let me ask you, you don't have to shout it out loud. In fact, please don't. But what is your temptation? What's the temptation that you actually face in your life? See, for some of you, maybe it's like a more recent temptation. Maybe it's something you've been going through in this season. Or maybe it's like a recurring temptation that throughout your life you've tended to give into. Whatever it is, identify it. What's your temptation? If you're taking notes, write it down. Identify. I struggle with this. I'm tempted by this. Now, we all have different, you know, types of temptations we give into. Some of us would look at other people's temptation and think, you're, you're tempted by that? What's wrong with you? But we have our own temptations. Some of them are more external. So, for example, some of you are tempted to have an affair with the person that you're working with. Some of you are tempted to go to the bar and get drunk with your friends. Some of you are tempted to use perverse language. But others of us, um, it's a more internal thing, right? Like the sin that we participate in isn't just external. Sometimes it's internal. Sometimes you're proud, and you're so proud that you're smarter, and you know better, and your way's right, and so you exalt yourself in your heart. Maybe for some of you, it's anger, and you burn with indignation and bitterness towards other people. You get so angry. For the others of you, maybe it's idolatry. Maybe you love certain people or things more than you love God. You actually bow at the altar of another. Whatever it is, we've all got temptation that we face. And the reality is, we're not all in the same exact place with temptation, right? Like some of you, you are smack dab in the middle of it, and you are losing, and you got to claw your way out of that hole, right? But others of you are like, you know, Preston, I'm I've really had victory recently, and I'm, I'm, I'm maturing, and I'm seeing some, some wins. And so no matter where you are at on the spectrum right now, the reality is you've been tempted, you're going to be tempted, and if you're a disciple of Jesus and you're trying to help other people follow Jesus, then you need to know how to overcome temptation to help other people overcome temptation. So every single person in the room and watching online, we need to know the answer to this question. How can I overcome temptation? How can I, how can you, how can we overcome temptation? The good news is, is that God himself inspired a guy named James to equip followers of Jesus, just like you and me, to do exactly that. So if you've got a Bible, would you open with me to James chapter 1? James chapter 1 will be in verses 12 through 18. This morning, if you uh, got a paper Bible, awesome. If you're on your Bible app, great. If you don't have a Bible, first son of church or whatever, we're glad you're here. Welcome to the family. The verses will be on the screen. So context before we get into it. So what are we reading? So we're in a teaching series right now called Test Prep. And so last week, our lead pastor, Brett Andrews, spoke on troubles that we'll face. That's one type of trial. We will have troubles. We will have hard circumstances that we find ourselves in, right? Difficulties. Uh, today, we're going to continue reading James, and we're going to talk about temptations, a different type of trial 
that we'll face. So James was a letter written roughly AD 49 by the brother of Jesus. This is the brother of Jesus that we're about to read here. And he was writing to a group of Jewish Christians who had been persecuted, were once a part of the church in Jerusalem, kind of the headquarters of the movement of Jesus. And then they were persecuted and they were scattered across Judea. And so he's writing to that group of people. And his purpose in writing is to give them practical steps to live the life of faith. So James is very practical. It's like wisdom literature. It's kind of like Proverbs. There's a lot of short proverbial uh, sayings that'll help people live practically, okay? So that's what we're reading. We're going to pick up in James chapter 1, asking the question, how can I overcome temptation? Blessed. All right, let's just stop there, okay? Blessed. What does it mean for a person to be blessed? It means that they're recipients of God's favor. So you can be blessed and your circumstances can still be bad. But when you're blessed by God, you've received his favor. There's a joy and a happiness in God that can't be shaken. So James says, there's somebody who's blessed. Who is it? The one who endures trials. So James said, the person who perseveres, endures, overcomes trials, that person's blessed. Okay, this word in Greek for trials, it actually could have two different meanings depending on the context. So for example, this word can be translated like troubles, like those difficulties that we read about just a few verses earlier, it can also be translated temptation. So whether James is finishing his thought and talking about hardship, or whether he's now moving on into the next thought and talking about temptation, or maybe even he's saying the person who endures trials, and within every trial, there's temptations, right? There's a chance to be tempted even in trials. Whatever he's saying, the person who overcomes these temptations, they're blessed. Why? Why are they blessed? Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So James is telling these Christians, these persecuted Christians, he's saying, look, you're going to be blessed if you overcome temptation, because God himself will give you the crown of life. He will bestow that on you. When? In the moment? When they overcome temptation in this life? No. When they see Jesus face to face, they will be given the crown of life. So the picture that James gave is of an athlete who wins and a a laurel wreath is presented as a crown to say, you are the victor. You have won. And he says that God's promised you and me the very same thing. So here's the first principle. If you want to overcome temptation in your actual real life, you got to grab a hold of this. Here's the first principle. Keep your eyes on the prize. You got to keep your eyes on the prize. And this wasn't something that was just taught by James. In fact, this was taught by multiple authors throughout the New Testament. Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 5. Don't you know that the runners in a stadium, they all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown. Those athletes, their crown's going to fade, right? It's not going to last. But we, followers of Jesus, an imperishable crown. 
Run the race to win so that you can receive an imperishable crown. That's what Paul said. Peter, 1 Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, that's Jesus, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. Wow. And then finally, Jesus himself, Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. Look, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison to test you, and you will experience affliction for 10 days. Be faithful to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. This is Jesus' own words to believers. All throughout the New Testament, we see that we're going to receive rewards. So you're saved by grace through faith. There's only one way to experience salvation. You're saved by grace through faith. But your rewards come, in this case, from overcoming temptation. So think about it. In your everyday life, this week, as you start to struggle with temptation, what if you actually tapped into this belief, this conviction, wait a minute, no, I am going to overcome this. I'm not going to give in to it because I want the crown of life. I want the rewards. I want what's on the table for me. I want what God's promised. What if you actually thought that way? Because I would imagine that not many of us have actually thought this, have used this to overcome. So I want to give you a chance to practice. My thought is if you can practice changing your thinking now, you're much more likely to leave here and think this way when you're in the moment of temptation, okay? So if you would, get in a comfortable position, close your eyes, and I'm going to guide us through a time to fix our eyes on the prize. So I want you to envision whatever that temptation is that you, you've been facing or whatever is a typical kind of temptation for you, okay? So where are you? When you get tempted, where are you? What time of day is it? Are you seeing this in your mind? Picture it. Is it in the morning, afternoon, night? Who's with you? Are you alone? Or are there other people with you? When you're in that environment, what, what types of things do you tend to do leading up to that temptation? What are you doing? And how do you feel? As you picture yourself coming face to face with temptation, keep your eyes closed, keep seeing yourself, how do you feel? Now, with that in mind, keep, keep your eyes closed. I want you to, to picture a thought bubble. You begin to think. You begin to think something, and you begin to think this. As those, as those desires and urges are creeping up within you, should I do this, should I not do it, you think that Jesus, you, you see Jesus is giving you the crown of life. Picture the Lord Jesus, the Lord of all the universe. He is putting the crown of life on your head. And Jesus says to you, well done. You overcame temptation. You are victorious. Here's what I promised you. Now, as you're still in that moment, watch yourself begin to have a conversation with yourself. 
and you start to say things like this to yourself, you start to say, you love God more than this. This isn't going to give you life. This isn't what you want. God's promise to reward you. Rewards are on the table. Overcome. Endure. And as you have that conversation, you make a decision to resist temptation. Picture whatever that looks like. You leaving that situation with victory. (laughs) Maybe you even walk out of the room and your hands are raised in a V, just like a runner that's finished the race and won. You have victory over that temptation. Keep your eyes on the prize. You can open your eyes now. The point of that is just to get you practicing, to change your thinking, to think about the rewards. And some of you might be thinking, well, Preston, does it really matter? Does it really matter if I give in to sin? You know, maybe, maybe it's not really that big or bad or whatever. Does it matter? I mean, I'm saved by grace, right? I'm saved by grace through faith, and God loves me, and I'm going to go to heaven. Does it matter? Yes, it matters if you overcome temptation or not. Why? Because there are rewards on the table for you. The crown of life is sitting there waiting for you if you will love God and overcome. Some of you might be thinking, Preston, you don't understand because I've tried to get out of this sin. I've tried to overcome over and over, and I just can't break free. I can't overcome it. I'm a screw-up Christian. And if that's you, I want to tell you, you're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. You can break through. It is possible. In fact, I know this is true. How? Because God would not promise to reward you for something that you can't do. He's promised it. I will give you the crown of life. You can overcome. Some of you might be thinking, man, it's just been so long. I'm too far gone. I've messed up my life. I've messed up my relationships. It's, I'm too far gone. And I'm telling you, if you will choose to love God, and to overcome and resist the temptation you face. God is waiting. He is longing to bless you. He doesn't want to withhold his blessing from you. He wants to bless you. You can overcome the temptation you face. Any temptation, every person in this room, it's possible. You must be convicted that it is possible. So James started with Uh, talking about the rewards on the other side of temptation, now he's going to pivot to the source of temptation. Verse 13, no one, that's nobody, (laughs) none of them, no one undergoing a trial should say, don't ever say this, I'm being tempted by God. Don't ever say that. Why? Two reasons. God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. Okay, well, James the reality is I face temptation. It's a, it's a reality in my life. So what's the source of it? Where does it come from? If you're saying it's not God, what's the source? Verse 14, each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. James told these believers, look, man, Don't point the finger at God. Don't blame God. You point the finger right back at yourself. 
this is your desire that's luring you away and enticing you. He, he gives this image of like <laughs> fishing and the lure plops down right in front of the fish and it's shiny and it's cool and looks good and it's going to draw that fish in. Just come, come right on up here and take a bite. And just like that, the fish will take the bite. What, what does that in you? It's your desire. The urges and cravings of your flesh, your human nature, are the source of your temptation. And there's consequences. Verse 15, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Paul says that when you're tempted, your desires, they start to tempt you to do something that God says you shouldn't. The moment that you think on it, the moment you roll it around in your mind, the moment you start to crave it, the moment you speak or take action, whatever it is based on that specific temptation, the moment you go with it, you will have conceived. He now gives this picture of birth. He says conception's taken place, and eventually, if you roll with that temptation, you're going to birth sin. There's desire that turns into sin. And if you let that sin grow and mature and have its way and you don't kill it and deal with it, it's going to grow up and it's going to give birth to death. Desire, sin, death. That's what's coming. That's what's happening. So James knew if he could get those Christians to stop blaming God for their temptation, if he could instead have them place the responsibility on their own shoulders, then they could deal with it. Now they have ownership to overcome the temptation. So here's the second principle to help you and me overcome temptation that James gives us. It's this. Own your temptation. Own your temptation. This is taught to many churches, not just this scattered group of Jewish believers, but many churches throughout the New Testament. So to the church in Ephesus, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, we too all previously lived among them, this worldly people, in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. Paul said to the church in Galatia, Galatians 5, 17, for the flesh, your body, your human nature, your desires, the, the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus in you as a follower of Jesus, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you do not do what you want. So there's this tension in you, Paul says, where your human nature wants to disobey God, but the Spirit of Jesus in you wants to obey God, and they clash. And then finally, to even uh, believers across modern-day Turkey, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Peter said, Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Peter said those desires in you, they're waging war in your soul within you. If you want to overcome temptation, you've got to own your temptation because then you can deal with it. 
couple of days ago, uh, a buddy of mine, uh, his name's Austin. We coached football together in Alabama last year. He's offensive coordinator. I coached receivers. And so Austin calls me up. I think it was like on Tuesday or something. And he's telling me, hey, we got this big playoff game, really tough opponent we're facing. And so I said, well, what are you doing to get your offense ready? What are you doing to make a game plan? And so he told me something interesting. He said, we're doing two things. And so if you're not a sports person, if you're not a football person, I'm going to try to make this really simple. First thing, when you're the offensive coordinator, you call the plays for the offense, you do a scouting report on the defense. In other words, what are they going to do to stop us? Right? You need to know what they're going to do to try to stop you because then you can call better plays. The second thing that you do is you do a self-scouting report. A self-scouting report. Why do you do that? Because you need to see your tendencies. Because you know that the defense knows your tendencies. And they're going to scheme to attack you. And so once you know your tendencies, you have an idea of how they'll attack. You can now counterattack. So what I'm telling you is, if you own your temptation and you say, man, this is, this is the desires in me. This is my flesh. This is me. I'm not going to blame God. I'm not even going to blame the devil. I'm not even going to pl- blame the culture, although all that stuff plays a role. When you say this is me, now you can make a game plan. You can self-scout your own tendencies. So for example, when do you tend to give in to temptation? Is it when you feel bored? Are there certain things that rise up in you when you get bored? Is it when you're lonely? Do you ever feel lonely and so you get on Tinder and you think, ah, you don't really think through it, but you're feeling so lonely. You think, man, if I could just go on a date, the next thing you know you're going on a date, And the next thing you know, you're sleeping with this person and they don't even want to text you back and you're left thinking, what the heck? How did this happen? Why am I over, why am I failing? Why am I not resisting temptation? Because you're not aware of your tendencies. If you realized, oh, wait a minute, when I get lonely, I am more likely to sin, make a game plan. What can you do when you start to feel lonely? You can have that friend that you call and say, hey, let's hang out, let's get together. You can text people in your life group and say, hey, would you all want to meet up and do something fun? You can just open up your Bible and turn on prayer and worship music and say, I'm going to spend time with God. Whatever you decide to do, you're, you're now more prepared because you know your tendencies. Is it anger? Are you more likely to sin when you're angry? Are you more likely to fall into temptation when you're stressed? Oh, the stress of it. Maybe you know I am going to fall to temptation when I'm stressed and the money starts to get tight. And you keep wondering, why do I keep lashing out and being verbally abusive to my spouse? I don't know why I keep failing. I don't know how I can't overcome this. Well, maybe if you know you're going to be stressed because there's no money and you got to pay the bills, maybe you go to your spouse and you say, honey, I'm I'm stressed. I'm really stressing about the bills. Will you pray with me about this? Maybe you tell her, hey, I'm feeling stressed, and I just want to tell you on the front end, I'm going to try my best to be full of grace and treat you the way that you deserve, but please just 
be patient with me, forgive me if I have the wrong tone. Whatever your approach is, if you know, make the game plan, you're much more likely to overcome. Some of you, it might be, you're tired. Maybe when you get tired, <sighs> maybe you get tired. I know I, Meg and I went to go get Thanksgiving stuff uh, the other night, like Thanksgiving meals, just like Tom was talking about. And we we're getting Thanksgiving meals for families in need. And I started to get in an argument with Meg in, the, in the, the checkout line, like on Friday night. And I'm preaching on Temptation Sunday. And, I, and I'm like, Meg, I don't know, I don't know what, what's going on. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And then I was like, duh, it's the end of the day. It's the end of the work week. I'm so tired. And I have all these things going on and hard conversations and thinking and all this stuff. And then I don't have anything left in the tank. And so now I'm, I'm angry at her. But if I become aware of that, I can make a game plan for it. So what's your game plan? Do you know your tendencies and how can you overcome? Own your temptation. So James talks about the rewards, talks about the source, and now he's going to do something pretty interesting. I, I would not have uh, thought that he would get into this, especially since James is like such a practical book. You might be reading this, what we're about to read, and think, what does this have to do with temptation? Verse 16. Don't be deceived. So whatever he's about to say, there is a good chance that otherwise you would be deceived about this. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Wait, we were talking about God isn't the source of temptation. It's our desire. And now we're talking about good gifts. Our Father of light. What, what is this all about? How does this have to, anything to do with overcoming temptation? So what James is doing here is he's saying, God is not only not the source of your temptation, God is the source of all the good things in your life. See, James wasn't just like giving him like, here's three steps to overcome your temptation. No, he, was, he knew that for you and me to overcome temptation, you know what the most foundational thing is? It's your view of God. Now, that might not sound practical to you, but what you believe about God is going to impact if you resist or give in to temptation. James says, you've got to understand he's good. And all the gifts that he gives are good. He's the father of lights, meaning he's created the sun, the moon, the stars. And unlike the moon and the stars, they, they might move. They might have shifting shadows, but God isn't going to change. He's always been good. He will always be good. And as an example of the goodness of God, James said this, verse 18, by his own choice, he gave us birth. Wait a minute. Now God's the one giving us birth. God gave us birth by the word of truth. What, what does James mean? The word of truth? This, this phrase in Greek is used four times in the New Testament. It's not meaning the Bible. God didn't give you new birth by the Bible. He didn't give you new birth by a, a message from heaven, that, that kind of word. No, the word of truth, every time it's used, is in reference to the gospel. Meaning, God 
gave you and me new birth. He gave us a new heart, made us new creations through the good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus, that Jesus is Lord over all. That is evidence that he is good and his gifts are all good. So he gave us birth by the word of truth. Why? So that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So agriculture term here, first fruits, were the little bit at first that showed that there was a huge harvest still to come. So when James is talking to these Jewish Christians in AD 49, saying God's caused you new birth through the gospel, he's saying you are the few so far that have come to faith in the Messiah, Jesus. But there are many, many more who will become followers of Jesus. This is a fulfillment of you and me. Like we are fulfilling this. We are the fruit to come. So James is really trying to help them understand God is good. His gifts are good. And he knew if he could just get them to believe that God is good, that it could help them to overcome temptation. And this, the third principle that, that we've got to grab hold of and apply in our life is this. Trust the goodness of God. If you want to overcome temptation, you must trust the goodness of God. This is something we sing about on Sundays. This is something that God's people have always been singing about. So Psalm, all throughout the Psalm, Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the person who trusts in him. Psalm 105. For the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness throughout all generations. Psalm 145, 9. The Lord is good to everyone. His compassion rests on all he has made. God is good. His ways are good. His commandments are good. So a couple of years ago, I was reading this study, this research on what kind of playground produces the most joy and fulfillment and enjoyment in students. So there's two playgrounds, and they would have these young elementary school kids to test it out. And so the first playground is a playground with a fence around it. The second playground is a playground with no fence around it. So if, just show hands. If you believe that the playground with the fence would be more fulfilling, raise your hand. Okay? If you believe the playground with no fence would be more fulfilling, raise your hand. Awesome. You know what's really interesting? In each service, the majority of people have said the playground with no fence. And in each service, the majority of people have been wrong. You knew it, I know. So, what's the point? What they found in this research that they did is that when the fence was there, the students would run all along the fence line. They would want to get as far out as they could, and they would play and have a great time and enjoy it and laugh, and it was awesome. But the playground with no fence, the kids would just huddle up around each other in the middle. They didn't want to get too far out. So they would play right around each other, but they wouldn't want to stretch out into this vast expanse of nothing. What's the point? What am I trying to get you to understand? Why did you immediately say the playground with no fence has got to be the one that's more fulfilling? You might not think that really means anything. But I would say it's actually very telling. It's very telling that you would just, oh yeah, that sounds right. Why? Because you've been 
taught, you've been discipled by the culture. Yes, you, did you know this? Why do you think this way? Because there's been thinkers for hundreds of years who have taught this and it has now seeped into every aspect of our life. People like Freud, Nietzsche, Rousseau, love, freedom, joy, fulfillment, it comes from right in here. And any attempt to restrict what I think I should do is crushing, is unjust, is wrong. And so we've got to destroy church. We've got to destroy family. This is not hyperbolic. This is literally the philosophy of the age. Why do you believe that the playground with no fence is better and it is good? Because your thinking on everything is shaped by these people. Your beliefs about sexuality are shaped by these people. Your beliefs about money, your beliefs about your time, your beliefs about family, your beliefs about government, all of your beliefs are being shaped. You don't believe <laughs> that God, His ways, and His commands are actually good. If you think that way, what do I mean? If you think that there's a God in surrendering your life to Him and giving Him total control of your life, if you think that's unjust, you'll never want to respond to Him. You don't think He's good. You don't trust that if you actually gave your life to Him, it would be better for you. You don't trust that His ways of operating, when you read through the Old Testament, it might offend you. Are you offended by the ways of God? Why? Because you think you know what's good. You think that you know good better than God. When you read the Bible and you read his commandments, what he's commanded, do you balk at it? Do you hesitate? Are there certain ones that you think, well, maybe those aren't good, but the other ones are? See, it's an issue of do you really trust the goodness of God? If you don't trust he's good, his gifts are good, his word's good, you will never, you'll never overcome certain sin in your life. Last thing I'll say about it, just to, just to make sure you're getting this, think about Adam and Eve. The first temptation. Did the devil come and hold up an, a fruit and say, oh, look at this fruit, so juicy, have a bite. Look at this, oh, luscious. No, what did he do? He got them to question the goodness of God. Ah, oh, God didn't want you to have that because then you'll be like him. He's withholding from you. You can't trust him. He got them to question God's goodness and so they fell into temptation. It's the same with us. So I'm going to give you about two minutes right now to make your own plan and I expect you to do this. I am wanting you to do this because I believe it's going to help you overcome temptation, okay? So please pull out your phone, pull, pull out a journal, a notebook, something to write on. I want you to make your own plan about two things, okay? So as you're doing that, I'm going to give you a couple questions. You don't have to use these. You can, you can write down whatever you want, whatever's helpful for you, okay? Two questions. The first, what is God saying to you? And the second, how will you obey him? So I might have said nothing that you needed to hear today, okay? I'm well aware that, that that's okay. 
Maybe what James said is exactly what you needed to hear. Maybe it was neither of us. Maybe as you're listening, you're, you're starting to get an impression from the Holy Spirit. The reality is God is speaking to you. That's not just something we say on Sundays because it sounds cool. We believe he really is speaking to each and every one of you and to me. And so what did you hear today from God? Write that down. Capture it. You're more likely to use it if you know what he said. And the second question, how are you going to obey him? Not me. Not how are you going to apply the principles that I stated. How are you going to, you know, use the illustrations that I said. Forget what I said. How are you going to obey him? How this week do you need to start to think of the crown of life and the rewards that are awaiting you? Do you need to start to say, this is within me. I'm going to own this and I'm going to make a game plan to overcome it. Do you need to trust the goodness of God and say, you know what? I struggle. I struggle with what's in here. I don't understand all of what's in here, but I believe he's good. And I believe his commandments are good. And I'm going to submit my life to it. Go ahead right now. I'm going to give you two minutes. Write down those two things. How are you going to obey what God's revealed to you? If you're still writing, that's okay. You can keep writing. As you're writing, I got bad news. <laughs> you're never perfectly going to overcome temptation. <laughs> that doesn't mean you throw away your plan. That just means you acknowledge you're not going to be perfect. The good news is, is that there is one who is. There is one who has overcome every temptation. And his name is Jesus. So we have a high priest that is able to empathize with us because he knows what it was like to be tempted in every way and yet was without sin. So if you're a follower of Jesus today, as you live this out, as you overcome temptation in your life, when you mess up, and you will, look to the cross. Look to Jesus his nail-pierced hands to be certain that God loves you, that he's for you, that his spirit's going to empower you to overcome, that he is not done with you. Look to the cross. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you've been wrestling and struggling 
with issues in your life and you think, man, I want to be different. I want to change. Today's the day. But it's going to require that you give up control of your life, that you surrender and you follow Jesus. But if you do, (laughs) your life will be totally better now, forever. It'll be much better. And so if if you're a follower of Jesus and you want prayer, I'll be at the prayer banner. If you're not a Christian today and you're thinking, I want that life, I want forgiveness, I want the power to live differently, come to the prayer banner. I'd love to talk with you about baptism. Today can be that day. Start the journey of overcoming temptation. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for the crown of life that you've promised us. Thank you for your goodness that changes us, that leads us, that guides us, Lord. Help us this week to have a spiritual breakthrough. Break the chains, Lord, that have held us down. Help us to have victory. Help us to throw away whatever is slowing us down in the race. Fix our eyes on Jesus. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.